to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> mm, excuse me. Allergies. Driving me crazy. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter four. As as you know, one of the things, and I, I think I, well, I know I did. I learned this from my father-in-law. Um, one of the things that I like doing is observing people. Uh, he was he he. My father-in-law used to. He would like to go to the local mall and just sit and watch people. And that, that was that was his entertainment. And uh, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so that was that was just one of the things he enjoyed doing. And and because he did it, I ended up doing it. And um, uh, we we um, this is back when Chick Fil A were were only in malls, and uh, we would go to Chick Fil A. And uh, he'd get a cup of coffee, and we'd sit right there on the corner uh, where Chick-fil-A was, and we'd sit there and watch people go by, and, and he'd... Uh, uh, I won't tell you what he said. That's not, that, that's not kind. <clears throat> but anyway, but it was just... I, I, ever since then, I've just... I, I, one of the things I do is I just observe people. I, I, that's just one of the things I enjoy doing. And through all of this mess that we are in, uh, I have... <clears throat> been observing people, uh, especially throughout the last several weeks, and I have noticed something that is more profound to me than ever before. Now, <clears throat> what I'm about to say is something that I've known for a long time. It's just more profound to me now than it ever has been before. And that is, People need hope. I mean, I've always known that. This is not, this is nothing new. But to me, it is more obvious today than ever before that people need hope. Now, I want that to kind of sink in for a moment before I move on. The uncertainty of of death because of COVID-19, obviously, is part of it. What in the world? <clears throat> Thousands have died prematurely because of this virus. The civil unrest that, that is sparked by the death of a man that should never have happened. And the multiple people that have been shot and some even killed since then because of all of this. And in some ways, we can sit back and we can look at it and we can say, this is, it's madness of what's going on. To be perfectly honest, I believe people are scared. And why why are they scared? And and the simple answer to that is uh, it's because they have no hope. They have no hope. 
I went to the dictionary and I looked up the word hope, and this is this is what I found. Hope is to want something to happen or to be true, or we could say wishful thinking. <clears throat> so <clears throat> excuse me. When 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 you live your life wanting something to happen. You're going to live an awfully shallow and empty life, are you not? Because there is no certainty in hope by the definition of the world. Vice President well, George Bush, when he was vice president, represented the United States at the funeral of the former Soviet leader, uh, Leonid Brezhnev. Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest carried out by Brezhnev's widow. She stood motionless by the coffin until seconds before it was closed. Then just as the soldiers touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife performed an act of great courage and hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience ever committed. She reached down and made the sign of a cross on her husband's chest. Now, now think about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, this was, you know, uh, let, let me con continue reading the article that I got this from. Uh, there is there in the citadel of secular atheist power, the wife of the man who ran it hoped that her husband was wrong. Think about that. She hoped that there was another life and that life was best represented by Jesus who died on the cross and that the same Jesus might have mercy on her husband. I read this article and, and those of us that are my age and and, you know, anyway, the Cold War folks, you know what I'm talking about. What she did was an, a profound act of civil disobedience. The, the, the Soviet Union back in the day was the hotbed, if you would, of atheism and communism. And what she did was a profound, profound act. What was she doing? She was making a gesture of hope. The title of my message this, this afternoon, this morning, is The Comfort of Hope. The Comfort of Hope. Earlier I read you the, the, the secular definition of the word hope. Without hope, life is lost. It has no meaning. 
We read this in Job chapter 7 and verse 6. All my days are swifter than a weaver's beam and are spent without hope. When Job, in the midst of his trial, when, they, when he had no hope, he could not see the end of the trial. He had, he had no hope that this trial was ever going to be over. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. What does he say? My days are as swift as a weaver's beam and are spent without hope. What's there to live for? We have nothing to live for. Now I want to talk about biblical hope for just a minute. Biblical hope, is the definition of biblical hope is, is really just two words. Confident expectation. And those of you that have been at Grace Baptist Church for any amount of time know that we've talked about this an awful lot. Confident expectation. Hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unclear or unknown. It is the ability to have trust in a God that we cannot see, touch, or feel. Or touch or feel the same thing. See, touch, or hear. There you go. I knew there were... Anyway, whatever. You know what I meant. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen yet. What, what, what was the thing not seen yet? Rain. It had never rained before. It had never flooded before. Moved with fear. The word fear here is not a, a, a kind of a cowardly fear and that he's going to do what God tells him to do because he's afraid of God. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. But the fear is, is a respectful obedience. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear or respectful obedience, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he uh, condemned the world and became heir uh, of, of the righteousness which is by faith. Our hope is the anchor... in our lives because of fulfilled promises of the past. Now, I want to ask you a question because this is, this is, and I may be preaching on this next week, but how did Noah, how did Noah have the faith to spend years and years and years building a boat when it had never rained or flooded ever in the, in the history of mankind up to that point? The only way that God would, or that Noah would have the kind of faith to do that kind of uh, miraculous work is because of what God had already done in his past. Think about this for a second. When a, when a, well, I, I anyway, I, I don't want to get off track here. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The key word in that what it the, the key word in this verse is the word evidence. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. What what is our definition of hope? 
confident expectation. So faith is the evidence, uh, faith is the substance of confident expectations. The evidence, what is the evidence? The, see, the key word here is evidence. What is evidence? The things that God has already done. Knowing that God has what has God has done in our past, answered prayer, changed hearts, changed lives, things, situations that God has has brought about. The very things that God has done in our past are the very things that can give us the faith that we need to move forward. In our passage this morning in in First Thessalonians. Chapter 4, Paul is going to be talking about hope. <clears throat> the world that Paul lived in, and, and this is important because <clears throat> the, the world that Paul lived in was very different than the world that we live in. Our world that we live in today is moving very quickly to the world that Paul lived in. But Paul, the world that Paul lived in primarily was a pagan society. They did not believe in God. They were, they were atheists at best. They hated anything to do with God. But they, they, the, 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 the pagans um, had no hope in life after death. They, they taught that when life was over, it was over. They had no word in their language for the word assurance. They had no assurance of life after death. Uh, I read this uh, recently that this is this this was found uh, was typical on the on the on the graves of the pagans back in the day of Paul's. This is what it said: "I was not, I became, I am not, I care not." That says a lot, does it not, about the religious thinking of the day let's start reading in first thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 13 but i would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope for if ye believe that jesus died and rose again even so they which uh, sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that ye which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not uh, prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall r- rise first then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in, uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall, they, shall we ever be with the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 18, Wherefore comfort ye one another with these words. Here we see Paul teaching about the imminent return of Christ. The imminent return of Christ. This is referring to what we call the rapture. 
<clears throat> the the word the the um, uh, uh, Paul Paul never assumes that he knows the date. He never he never uh, predicts that it would happen in his lifetime, but he does, I believe, mention that he hopes it will happen in his lifetime. Now, how long ago did Paul live? Roughly 2,000 years ago. How many Christians do you think in the last 2,000 years have hoped that Jesus Christ would return while they were alive? Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, how many of you in this room hope he would come today? Amen. Okay, you get my point? <clears throat> Paul wrote in Titus uh, chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul didn't say the Lord was going to come in his lifetime, but he hoped and he was looking for that blessed hope. So, the comfort of hope. Number one, and, and please get this, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Look at verse 13. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Sorrow not. What is, what is Paul saying here? Sorrow not. Don't be discouraged. Get excited about the coming of Christ. Paul was excited about it, but don't be discouraged. Now, there, Paul, Paul says something here that might be, in, in our society today, might be a little harsh because we don't use this word very often, and that's the word ignorant. He says, he says but I would not have you ignorant and again, in our society today, that word carries with it a not-so-good connotation, right? Y'all understand what I mean? But, but that's not, Paul wasn't being mean. Basically, what he was saying is the, the word ignorant just simply means not to know or to be uninformed. And what he's saying is, he says, I, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be informed. Now, <clears throat> to me, it's obvious they simply didn't understand what would happen once a believer died. Okay. Now, now in, in our society today, Christianity is, is very well known. And, and many people in our society today understand that there is life after death. But you have to go back to the society then, the, the pagan society. And, and many, of the, many of the believers then uh, probably believed, we have to assume this because of what Paul says, but they probably believed that if they died before Christ came back, then they wouldn't go to heaven because of the way they had been raised. Now, again, in our society today, we don't, I mean, that doesn't make sense to us. But back then, it, it made perfect sense. So, 
<clears throat> Paul had only been with him, going back to when we first started our study in 1 Thessalonians, if you remember, Paul had only been with the Thessalonians for three weeks, you know, maybe four at the most. And he couldn't teach him everything. It would have been impossible. So Paul is now writing them, helping them understand some biblical truths. And he's trying to explain to them what happens to a believer after death. Now, I want to I want to stop I want to stop right here because there is a potential problem that we can run into in this passage. And that is this, we can get so consumed with the rapture that we miss the point of the question. Okay? You know, how, how many again, how many of you are looking forward to the rapture? I am. I, I, I love talking about the rapture. I love thinking about the rapture. I, I, I love praying about the rapture. I, I, would, I wish it would happen today. I, I'm, I'm tired of fighting the fight of this world. And I, I would imagine many of you are too. But the passage here is not necessarily dealing with the, with the rapture, but more of what happens to life after death. And that's why he's saying, don't be discouraged. Be excited. Be happy because there is life after death. Paul says, concerning them which are asleep. Again, I, I, as, I, as I thought of this, I, you know, oftentimes, <clears throat> I, 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 unfortunately, I look at the the Bible, when I read it, as, as more on the academic side than the, than the okay, God, speak to me side. Does that, does that make sense? And I know that that's a problem uh, for a lot of pastors because I've talked to them. But <clears throat> I have to sometimes stop and say, okay, God, speak to me. But the word asleep here, I, I have read it thousands of times in Scripture, and I've always just assumed that it just meant that somebody... It was just a, a reference to a believer that had died. And, and that's, what, that's what Paul's referring to here. But then the other day, as I was studying for this, it dawned on me what an incredible picture the word asleep has in the life of a believer. Because when, when we lay down, most of us laid down last night to go to sleep, what did we do? We woke up this morning, didn't we? At least that's what happened with me. What happens when a believer lays down for the final time? They wake up in heaven. Now their body is still here, but they wake up in heaven. What, what an incredible picture here of what happens to life after death in the life of a believer. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My, uh, my wife's uncle, Uncle Woody, <clears throat> I, 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 I don't know, but <clears throat> I think if you're going to die, this is the way to die. He went to church on Sunday morning. 
came, came home from church, and as his normal routine was, his wife had a big Sunday dinner. They sat down, they ate dinner. Uncle Woody went into the living room, flipped on the football game. My, uh, my aunt, or, or Melanie's aunt, uh, took a nap, and when she woke up, he was in heaven. He just, watching football, went from this life to the next. What an incredible way to go. Not, not that he was watching football, but he was just sitting there enjoying himself, and the next thing you know, he's in the presence of the Lord. What, a, what an incredible way. What an incredible way to pass from one life to another. So number one, don't be discouraged. Number two, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are uh, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you <clears throat> by the word of the Lord that we should uh, which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He is coming. Can I hear an amen? Amen. He is coming. We can be encouraged with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming. How can we be encouraged? Because of all of the things that he said he would do that he did, we can have confidence that what he said he will do, he will do. We can have confidence. The word, the word caught up here is the Greek word rapto, which we get the English word rapture from. Now, believe it or not, the word rapture does not occur in our Bible. We do not, you do not see the word rapture in scripture, but we get the word rapture from the Greek word rapto, which means caught up. Same, same thing. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, I believe what's going to happen and, and, and theologians are, have been arguing about this for years. So I can give you my opinion. But I, I believe what's going to happen is we as believers will hear the trumpet. We will see the dead rising from the earth. We are going to know what's happening. And we are going to be able to expect to be caught up momentarily. Because the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now theologians believe that that rising will happen in stages and all that. And hey, you know what? I just believe the Word of God. The dead are going to go. We're going to know what's happening. And then, boom, we're going to be right behind them. We're going to be caught up. Five places in Scripture use the word, the, the Greek word rapto to help us to understand the rapture even better. The first one we see is in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. <clears throat> that is, the first one is to catch away speedily. To catch away speedily. 
Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip or raptoed Philip. <clears throat> the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. This means caught away uh, speedily. This means we should live every moment with the expectation of his return. Because when he comes, it's going to happen, and there's not going to be a warning. Nobody is going to be able to <clears throat> go through their Bible, and they're going to say, okay, well, this date means this and this and this. So on October 22nd of 2000, you know, whatever, it's going to happen. I can almost guarantee it's not going to happen. Well, there's not almost what I can guarantee it won't happen then. Nobody knows. It's going to happen without warning and speedily. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, verse 52. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall uh, be raised incorruptible and they and we shall be changed. The second place we see it is in John chapter 6 and verse 15. To seize by force. To seize by force. And when Jesus, in John chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, or, or, or grab him, or rapto him by force to make him a king. He departed again into the mountain himself alone. So to take him by force <clears throat> is, is an actually a sad picture of the rapture. You say, how, how, can, how can there be a sad picture of the rapture? And, and it's actually... Very simple, and that is this. There are so many believers that will have to be dragged out of this world by force. You say, what, what are you talking about? There are so many believers that are so consumed with the things of this world that God is literally going to have to drag them out of this world at the rapture. And you think, how in the world could that be? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 16, we see it with, Lot, with Lot's family. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the, hands, the hand of his uh, two daughters the Lord being merciful unto them, and they brought them forth. They literally had to drag them out and set them without the city. Can you imagine at the rapture there are believers that are so consumed with the things of this world that God is literally going to have to snatch them or drag them out of this world. The third thing that we see is that we are going to move to a new place. Isn't that awesome? 
In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again, rapto, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We are pilgrims in this world. We are just passing through. I love the song. Uh, what's what, what's the name of that song? I'm just a passing. This world is not my. Is that the name of the song? No, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirteen, these all died in faith, not having received uh, the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They're just passing through. And then the fourth time we see this idea of rapto is in Acts chapter 23 and verse 10. And that is to rescue from danger. To rescue from danger. And when these, excuse me, and when there arose a great uh, dissension, the chief captain fearing that Paul should not should have been pulled in, uh, in pieces of them, commanded his soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and bring them into the castle. This verse suggests that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. Just yesterday, my wife and I were talking and she she was had a conversation with a, with someone else, and and she and this person said that she believed that that we are in the tribulation right now. And I and 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 uh, <laughs> no 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 no, it's going to be far far worse, far worse, far worse. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse ten, and to wait for his son from heaven, when he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Number one, don't be discouraged. Number two, be encouraged. And then number three, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Look at verse 18. And really, all of, all of from 13 to 17, all of it can be summed up in verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The word comfort does not mean to go alongside and put your arm around and pat somebody on the back and say, you know, I'm sorry. Although it includes that, but that it's not limited to that. It, it, it literally means to instruct or to, to urge or even to to witness the word the word comfort here takes on an, an entire meaning of of everything that it would take to comfort someone there has never been a better time to be an encourager than right now the people around us all around us 
need us to be an encourager. People today are scared. They have no hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And our hope is not just in Jesus Christ, but our hope is in what Jesus has done. The evidence of things hoped for. Number one, don't be discouraged. Number two, be encouraged. And then number three, be an encourager. Tell someone this week about Jesus Christ. Take the time this week to share your faith with someone. Tell someone that desperately needs to know Jesus Christ, how they can know and have the assurance that they never, ever, ever have to worry about it again. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do for us. Thankful for the prayers that you are so often answering in our lives. We can bring you requests and know with confidence that you're going to answer them. Lord, help us to be the witness to the people around us that so desperately need Jesus Christ. Help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. In such a critical time, it is so important 